0: to finding calm in the chaos. I am Denise and this is my podcast. Hello, 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 my friends. Welcome to another episode of Finding Calm in the Chaos. Happy Wednesday. I'm Denise. We're jumping right in today. Um, I call this episode The Missing Link because um, there are, uh, as I have gone through all of this therapy and self-discovery and really digging into childhood trauma and all that kind of stuff, I've realized how much you miss like the things you miss in life growing up in a dysfunctional family. Um, it is truly um, something that you don't even think about. But when you're in a dysfunctional family, my family, I would say in the dysfunctional percentage range, is probably 75, 80% dysfunctional. Um, you know, my my dad was an alcoholic. We grew up check to check. We moved a lot. I was in several schools it it was just like really a pain in the ass, and um, you know I always felt loved. I will tell you that like outside of my dad's alcoholism, we're gonna just remove him from this this part of the situation. So my mom, I we always felt like we were loved. I never felt unloved from my mom. Um, I did I I did however feel unprotected. So you know as, uh, and this, you know, Hey, this is probably going to be a trigger warning for some people, but it's stuff that you need to talk about to get through it. So I'm not saying that, um, you know, I grew up in, in a physically abusive home. It wasn't sexually abusive, but it was physically abusive. Um, and it, you never knew when it was happened. And then if you grew up in a home where there was a lot of physical abuse, you understand what it's like to not have that abusive parent or alcoholic or whatever the addicted parent come home and you have that wait oh they usually get home at 5 35 it ain't 5 30 it's 6 15 it's 7 30 p.m we're all getting ready for bed now now you're watching the clock and it's like 9 15 they still ain't home it's 11 30 and then you hear the gate and the voice And you know they're loaded. Um, And it's just, that's like how I grew up. I remember that kind of stuff. And so there are major things that I have discovered that as an adult, I have missed out of because I grew up in a dysfunctional family. Can I ever get these things back? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I don't want them. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm going to be 54. Um, But the first one we're going to talk about is having role models. I knew, I mean, let's be honest, if you're, I, I nobody was a role model in my family, okay? My mom worked herself to the bone, my dad was drunk, <laughs> right, and physically abusive, and uh, my mom was an enabler, and so- they, they live check to check. Like I said, we moved a lot. There was nothing I wanted to be. And I, in fact, it went to the point where sometimes I would say, you know, you I used to hear repeatedly how this is just how things are. This is how everybody lives. And me thinking deep inside, even as a young child, seven, eight years old, no, I want more. Like, I'm pretty sure this can't be it. <laughs> you know, and I was like eight. So there was a lot of, I had a lot of spirit in me back then as well. And so my parents were definitely not role models, and I don't mean that to be rude, but they just weren't growing up. Uh, It just was my reality and my truth. But we also didn't have like, I didn't have sports role models. I didn't have, um, I will say that I really got into the music scene, but I didn't have, there weren't musicians that I wanted to be like, like I thought they were awesome and everything, but. I wasn't that girl who went to concerts and like flipped out like you know ah you know I was never like a boy band girl um I listened to metal and punk and all that so and I didn't do that then either like yeah I mean everybody has their oh he's a cute guy you know that's different but I never really just like wanted to emulate any single one person no political figures no uh just nobody I had no, I can't really say, and I know this because one of the questions that everybody will ask every now and then is, is if if you could sit down and have a dinner or a lunch, you know, whatever, insert time here, with any famous or non-famous or anybody who's already like, you know, crossed the rainbow bridge, who would it be? And everyone's like, you know, Joan of Arc and Mother Teresa. And I'm just like, Yeah no I really got nothing like maybe Jesus is that asking too much I'd sit with him I I got I got nobody you know what I mean because I couldn't sit through the dinner in all honesty because I don't feign over people and so I don't know if that's good or bad but not having a role model um can can cause a lot of issues right because what it does is is it makes you feel isolated so I all basically spent my whole life feeling that I was like, it was me against the world. And it was because I didn't have any role models or anything to look forward. I didn't have that. You know, my parents weren't the people who would be like, you know, we absolutely love the Smiths at church because they just like, you know, what a, what a great marriage to live up to or what a great, you know, and nope, nope, they didn't do any of that. So um, I didn't feel that was out there either. They basically said, this is what you have. This is what you get. You know, what do you think? You're better than everybody. This is life. And so that's what you're stuck with. And I just thought deep down, there's more for me, peeps. So if I got to keep it to myself for 45 years, I'm going to do that. But something more is going to come from me. And that's just a fact, right? I made tons of mis- I mean, like, I didn't want to be like them, but like, you know, did I wind up being super bad with my finances? Uh-huh. For a while. Did I wind up being an alcoholic? Uh-huh, for a while. Did I wind up making really poor decisions in life? Yep, and I probably will continue too because you know, that's life. But I don't beat myself up about it and then go on and on for hours and hours or every time somebody has a party, like bring it up to them. You know what I'm saying? That's my family. So having role models, just something that dysfunctional, Grew up in a dysfunctional family, Don't feel bad, but you probably don't have any. Um, Next one, peaceful holiday gatherings. (laughs) You know what? I am still under the illusion or delusion, pick one, uh, because they both apply, um, that I can have a a nice Christmas. And I'm going to tell you right now, you know how that's going to happen when um, I go to a restaurant and don't invite anybody except for me, Mr. Sith and Peter. <laughs> I'm not even joking. There's always something. Somebody's always got to take a dig at each other. You know, uh, vaping. I- I'm not really smoking. I'm. I'm vaping. I'm. That. Not- I just can't. With just anybody's parental choices outside of my own. I, I feel like if you, here's the deal. So my sister, um, I love her and her kids, but they have made, um, poor decisions, but they're stuck in the cycle still. Okay. They're stuck in the cycle. How do I know that? Cause I was in the cycle. Then I finally like tapped out and was like, yeah, tired of spinning in a circle peeps. So tap out. And then when you tap out of the cycle, you could see the cycle and, um, they're in the cycle. And they bring it to my house. And in all honesty, it causes a lot of disruption. And I know I've mentioned it to my mom in the past, but I will tell you that when my family comes to my house, um, I sage my house after. (laughs) I have like a whole ritual uh, from top to bottom because I want their energy out of my damn house. Because it took me my whole life to finally get rid of that energy. Like, do what you got to do, right? And that's what I do. I sage my whole house. I'm like, see you later. But there is never just a peaceful gathering. And when you are caught up in a ring of dysfunction, right, you're in that vicious circle, they don't know what's normal anymore. And the perfect example of that was the coffee talk I did a couple weeks back on my sister littering in my car while I was driving in a drive through line at the place I go to every day with like 15 cars behind me. Um... She got bent out of shape. Like I told her that she was an asshole. And I mean, well, yeah, I mean, basically she felt insulted because she knew she she I don't think she knows what she's doing. See, the thing is, is when you're in dysfunction, if in the dysfunctional ring, if everybody is dysfunctional, they don't know what normal is anymore. They lose sight of what normal behaviors are. And I know people want to be like, oh, well, if, you know, everybody in, you know, down in the sketchy areas would just like learn that it's, but here's the thing. like If you see crime, drugs, violence, uh, littering, talking to each other like you're animals um, without love and passion and respect, when you hear that every day upon day upon day, that is the normal. And you don't, and everyone else is acting like that around you. You don't know what normal is. That's your normal. So when you tap out of that, like I did, you can't reason with that. I had a few personal friends like send me messages be like, I can't believe that you didn't like kick your sister out of your car and blah, 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 blah. But it said, that's going to change nothing. She, she we when we speak together on manners on matters like that okay we are in two different places i'm outside of the ring of dysfunctionality now so i see how wrong it is and what it does to the earth and how rude and ignorant it is to just somebody's community you know and she is in the middle of the circle She has no idea what I'm talking about. She has this whirlwind of like litterers around her. So they can't even see me standing outside of the circle. So it was no sense to even have a conversation with her, which is why I opted to tap out of it. All right. The next one is fond memories. Now, sometimes I used to get really hard on myself about this because people would be like, do you remember like Susie Robbins in fifth grade? And like, sorry, I did not go to school with Susie Robbins. I'm making up a name. Um, and, you know, and I'm just like, nope, I got nothing. Do you remember Mrs. So and so? Nope, I don't. I don't know if it's chemo, whatever, or a combination of growing up in a dysfunctional family. I had a lot of stuff on my plate at a very young age when I should have been living as a child and feeling protected and secure and safe. And I didn't feel any of those things. So I was always on guard. And I had more important things to do, like fend for my life, okay, than to worry about all of these memories that people have. Like, that's kind of how it goes down when you grow up in a dysfunctional family. There's other stuff going on. There are no fond memories. I can't tell you of one Christmas as a child that stands out as being like, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. I'll tell you the Christmas that stands out. I asked for a Donnie Marie doll. I'm totally aging myself right now. I asked for Christmas one year for the Donnie and Marie Osmond dolls. Yeah, it was that long ago. They were like at the height of their career. Okay. Dude, I was born in 69, guys. Um, and I wanted this doll so bad. So bad. I was probably maybe in like third grade, fourth grade. I don't even know. That shit's a blur too. Sorry, I said the S word. Um, but I'm like, okay. And so, my sister used to get all sorts of, like, you know, she was like the little golden child. I was always like, you know, outspoken, you need to shut your mouth, why do you speak up so much? Because when I grew up, kids were meant to be, like, not even seen or spoken. Like, you just were supposed to, like, just do stuff, change the channel before remotes, and, you know, get out of the house during the day and don't come home till the streetlights come on or dinner. Um they didn't care where you were. It's just. It was a different world. And I just remember asking for the Donnie Murray doll. And when um, Christmas came, I saw the package and I was like, this is totally a doll. <clears throat> you know, it's in the Barbie case, that classic Barbie stand up. It's gotta be the doll. And I opened it up and there was Donnie Osmond. And I was so excited. And I was like, yeah! And uh, all of you now are being like, Denise, this is totally a fond memory. What do you mean you don't have fond memories when you're a dysfunctional family? Please hold. Um, then I looked over to the side of me and I remember this. this is the, I remember this like I'm there. Okay? I see my sister opening up the other part of my package. And I'm like, wait, that's mine. And she was like, Look, This has my name on it. And I'm looking like, wait, maybe it's a mistake. I'm pretty sure that should have my name on it. And she opened it up and it had her name on it on the tag. And it was Marie. I got Donnie. And she got Marie. I got the boy. I didn't even get the girl. What the hell good is having the guy if I don't have his sister? It was useless to me. I thought. It's like the same present. That's like, to me, it was like if someone had ordered a light bright, but chopped it in half with an ax and wrapped half for her and half for me. I loved a light bright as well. (laughs) But that's literally like I, I thought I had a fond memory and then boom, it got shattered again. No fond memories. Any family functions ended in my dad and his brother, my uncle, Being totally drunk and stalking each other outside with weapons. Beating the crap out of each other. Or, um, yeah, and us kids being evacuated out of wherever we were in, like, footsie pajamas so that we stayed safe. Not even joking. Um, Next one. Having a stable home to return to when you need refuge. Yeah, nope. I never went home when I needed refuge. Uh, I went to my friend's house. I had two friends I went to all the time, and it's interesting because uh, I met up with one of them later in life, and her mom wound up coming over, and she told this story and said, I remember when your dad would be out drinking, and I always knew when you asked if you could spend the night, it was so that you could be safe, so I always said yes. Oh, this is going to tear me up see it's okay to cry about this stuff guys because it just was such a beautiful moment for me with this woman who was my girlfriend's mom and I remember her telling me that she always said yes because she knew I would be safe and she said there were many nights that you didn't even know when you two would be sleeping upstairs and your dad would come to the house loaded looking for me and I would tell him nicely that you were here, and that you were sleeping, and that you were safe, but that she wasn't going home with you tonight because he had been drinking. She's like, sorry, not sorry. She goes, and I would shut the door on his face. And She goes, and that happened on more than one occasions. And I just thought to myself, Jesus, thank you for sending this woman to me and giving me refuge. But it shouldn't be that kind of refuge. Do you know what I'm saying? Like how jacked up is that? It's horrible. Oh God. So there's a little trip down emotional memory lane. Uh, Next one. Oh my God. I'm all like boogery now. Uh, Support when life events happen, such as like weddings, baby showers, graduations. Well, I could tell you that Pretty much, no one came to my graduation. It's what's funny is, is that by the time I had graduated, I had a great relationship with my great grandmother on my maternal side. She was a maze balls, okay. But I did not have relationships with either pair my my father's or my mother's parents, so I didn't really have grandparents they all had issues with my parents so of course naturally <laughs> you know that dysfunctional ring you know screw the kids we don't like the parents um but I remember that my dad's at least my nana my dad's mother showed up she was always condescending and just rude to me and I know it sounds horrible but it, it she was I never felt comfortable in her presence Ever. And um, which is odd because I have first cousins, right? So my dad's brother's kids, um, who talk about having such wonderful memories with them. So, I mean, one of two things are happening here. Either um they just want to remember them that way, or they actually had that. For me, I don't remember it at all, and I'm not making it up because I just didn't have that relationship with them. But uh, for whatever reason, yeah, my Nana showed up at my eighth grade graduation. Not really sure what prompted that or I don't even know. But I was like, I thought that was odd. Um, For my wedding, I threw, uh, I did my own wedding. We had a very small wedding. It was just is what it was. I'm like, man, I'm just going to do this myself. It's a control thing, right? I didn't want anybody to ruin my day. So I was very specific about stuff. So I did it myself. So same with my baby shower for Pete. I threw my own baby shower too. And it was very specific. I had everybody... I had so many people at my baby shower. Like people that I graduated eighth grade with. It was fantastic. And it was. Because I grew it. Like I threw it. Not grew it. I threw it. I grew the baby. But I didn't throw it. (laughs) I didn't grow the party. Um, Also... Like I, I just—I'll be honest with you. Like I don't have birthdays that really stood out as being spectacular. In all honesty, I don't even remember my birthdays. Um, not like there wasn't anything special that was done. I, We—I know we've had cakes in the past, but birthdays. Um, I, I just—I just don't like. I see pictures of me as a kid, and I do remember like one. Here's another one. Here's another memory of me having a party, but. I had to share a cake with my brother yay he's like my younger brother I'm like you know two years older than he is great I get to have a boy party at the same it was just and I know it was probably totally economical on my parents part you know they probably didn't have the money to have two cakes and whatnot so they wanted to have the joint party I totally get that but it still doesn't take away from the truth that um I didn't really have um any birthdays that were substantial that I need to remember. Um, You know what? We're going to take a quick break here for a sponsor, and then I'll jump right back in. Today's episode of Finding Calm in the Chaos is sponsored by Claimed. Reclaimed is a one-man brand from Chicago, Illinois, specializing in handmade commercial and residential furniture and fixtures. The man behind the brand is Brian McQuaid, and the soul of his business is anchored in his handmade wood art pieces. Don't think that these pieces are just ordinary furniture and fixtures. These pieces were founded under the notion that art should be affordable to everyone. Each piece is custom designed and crafted with everything he's got which means you're not getting a plain big box item made in mass, but a personalized, meaningful work of art that will bring compliments from whoever sees your reclaimed piece and joy with you seeing and using your piece daily. Not a single person, I will tell you, walks into my office without asking me about my reclaimed desk and end table, and they can't hang their coats without asking me where I got the cool railroad spike wall coat rack either. Brian's talents go far beyond dust. Tables and coat racks, personalized hearts, jewelry boxes, flags, special occasions. It's art, folks. So the possibilities are pretty much endless. You don't have to take my word for it. You can check out the beautiful art of Brie at www.brieclaimedchicago.etsy.com. Again, that's www.brieclaimedchicago.etsy.com. Or check out and follow them on Instagram at reclaimed BRE, CLA, Hey, hey, all right, we're back. We're talking about the missing link, right? Things that you might miss when you are from a dysfunctional family. And these are the ones that I missed out on. Um, So we just talked about like special occasions and stuff like that, like life events, support for that. Yeah, not gonna happen. Um, I did all my own. But um, here's a huge one for me. And that was the freedom to express my emotions openly. You didn't cry, you didn't get happy, If something happened that was substantial at school um, and it was something that I should be proud of, I didn't come home and nothing was lauded. Nothing was celebrated. Um, We weren't encouraged to be in extracurricular sports. We weren't encouraged to be in any extracurricular activities. We weren't encouraged to do anything as a family. We weren't encouraged to go to college. Those are all things that I had to take up on my own. Um, so no support when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I will tell you that like, if I wanted to do stuff, I never told my parents. I just did it because I didn't feel safe telling them. There wasn't a situation where like, we would all sit around, like when we planned this, uh, European trip, uh, coming up, um, dude, it's less than 30 days, um, When we planned the Euro trip, we sat down with Pete. Like he sits at the table with us. We make plans. We do seating plans on the plane together. We do everything together with him. We want him to feel involved, okay? And then also we let him know that things cost money. This is a trip that most people cannot afford to take, let alone be able to go on vacations in general. I mean, this is a major, you know, this is a major price tag. You know, And so um, that would never happen. Like we didn't know, I mean, I don't talk to him about bills and stuff. That's like our business. I mean, he's still a kid, but we want him to be able to know that he's part of the family. He makes the division boards with us. He talks about his entrepreneurial, uh, you know, activities with the YouTube channel and all that with us. Um, I didn't have that as a kid. I didn't, if I was sad, I didn't say shit. You know, if I was mad, I'd say nothing. I turned to music for that. Uh, And that was where, like, I feel like half of my life uh, was basically just me living in this fantasy world of music so that I could cope with reality uh, just through music. So music can, uh, you know, is an art that could be truly, truly um, just emotionally life-saving at times for me. For me, it was um without being able to feel condemned right because my family if you'd be like you know we had this big party and you had mentioned that you know in front of everybody that the pants i was wearing made me look fat maybe i should lose some weight you know hey i my father used to tell us i tell me i looked fat all the time or that i was a big fat ass sorry not sorry i mean would he say those things today no but he probably you know he's also got like you know a dementia so like half the time when he's talking to you he doesn't even know like what the hell's going on and then all of a sudden he'll have a uh, there are many times i've had conversations with my father today that you tell him something and then he'll literally reach over to get a drink drink it and then look at you and be like you know what i heard and tell you the exact same damn story you just told him and i'm like uh, okay um that kind of stuff so there's that um another one Okay, this is a big one, too. Feeling connected to others. So I always felt like it was me against the world. First, it was me against my family, me against my dad, me against the world, me against college, me against bullies, me against this. You know, it was always me against somebody, you know, me against cancer. I mean, it just, it keeps evolving through life, you know, and me against alcohol see it's, it's, it's just a progression and I feel that I've always had this me versus everybody else I've never felt aligned with someone until I met Mr. Sith now I'm gonna ball again god this is a good one today I'm sorry guys I'm sorry for all the people who used to watch me cry on my lives because I'm a horribly ugly baller it's just damn. <laughs> and I'm not sorry about it. Um, Mr. Sith, um, and I, I truly believe are just soulmates and he was so strange, but I feel like he had to have been that strange to deal with my like total insanity. <laughs> like we're a good match. We're a good fit of polar opposite. And we, together, we just, I feel like I can share anything with him. He knows the real me. He's probably one of the only people in the world um, to know the real me. There's probably like maybe two other girls who have an idea, but they really don't know all of me. I would say the people who knew all of me were probably my friend Nikki, Pete's godmother who passed away um, this last Christmas Eve and my friend Michelle and I know she's probably listening to God here I go again uh, Michelle and I have been through some shit together up um, uh, highs and lows and she is a good friend but uh, I will be expecting your text Michelle I um, <laughs> Uh, I will laugh my way out of this so I could stop crying because my neighbors across the street are going to be like, the hell's wrong with her at the desk again? Um, it is very, very hard to be connected to others when you have to spend your life isolating for strength and self-preservation. And so this is why I really find it difficult as an adult to make friends. I would like friends, but it, I don't want friends. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's like this um <laughs> this like everlasting uh battle within myself i want friends but i don't want friends but i want friends yep i am blowing my nose here i go again this is reality peeps this is reality um the other one is um knowing what it's like to feel safe <clears throat> and i really didn't have that until I met Mr. Sith. But I will tell you that I still am on guard. And our biggest argument is a is a broken record. It's his last c- lack of communication. He's not a big talker. And so it causes a lot of issues, obviously, with someone who is a gabber and runs a damn podcast. Um, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> uh, I am very... Like guarded, right? Uh, I don't like to let too much in. So when he's like, well, what do you need? I don't want you to be upset. What could I do for you? Now, most normal people will tell him what they could do for you. For people who don't feel safe, unless they're the safety net, I'm my own guard. Nobody ever protected me. I protected myself, right? Through whatever means I needed to right? I was like a little Lord of the flies girl. Okay. And then someone says, okay, like they're not communicating. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? What do I need? I I don't need anything. I'm freaking Denise. I took care of myself my whole life. And so I am inner battling with my, my demons and he's trying to communicate and I'm just not having it now. So like, okay, so this is our biggest issue in our marriage, him trying to communicate effectively and me trying to drop the moat, you know, the, the bridge over the moat and let down the safety zone that it's okay that someone else takes care of you. You know what I'm saying? Cause he does take good care of us. Me and Pete. Um, uh, I, I got a couple more here. Uh, I'm going to skip that one. Uh, Oh, here's a good one. Having typical worries as a child, right? Not those of a child who grew up too fast. So yeah, Um, you don't really, which is why a lot of people are like, I remember when we were kids, we would like, you know, and I didn't grow up that way. Like when we didn't do vacations and when we did, we went to this, I think it was called the Blue Spruce up in Wisconsin somewhere. And I would always go with like my, it was always like us and the three kids, and then my uncle and my dad's brother and their three kids. And it, they somehow they would get, you know, they would drink and then the whole place would be up for grabs. So, like, we were always in a state of walking on pins and needles. Like, when's it going down? Cause you see, they start drinking. And as kids, and, and, and let me tell you, this goes over into adult life, even as an adult. And I will say like at 45 years old, I will see my dad with a drink and I'm out of here. It's It's in my house. So I'm like, oh shit, it's not stopping. Right? Because my dad can't have a beer because if he has a sip of somebody's beer, oh, I'm going to try that beer. I've never had that beer. Where did you get this beer? And it's like, I'm trying to just do like imported like ales and, you know, <clears throat> stouts and stuff like that from Trader Joe's and he's ready to down it like it's case of old style. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't drink for a flavor or an undertone or, you know what I'm saying? Or or notes of. He drinks to get loaded. And I used to think I could do that. But what happens is, is that I was drinking with people who drank to get loaded. I was in the I was trying to basically upgrade myself to be like, "Oh yeah, you know what? Stop drinking to get drunk and just start drinking high-end stuff and only taste it for flavor." And I was doing that in the crowd that was still getting loaded. Yeah, that doesn't work. Like, da da da, right? I don't even know. Uh, well, I do know. It was stupid. And it was because I was making poor choices, but I didn't have the same worries as normal kids did, right? I didn't have extracurricular activities. We didn't have sleepovers because you never wanted anybody at your freaking house just in case, right? He might be stressed out because, you know, they're having a sleepover it, you know, and then he'd come in and I'd be like, what? I had a sleepover once. It was a freaking nightmare parents were coming, picking kids up in the middle of the night. It was a nightmare. How, how great do you think the rest of that school year went? Huh? Yeah, that was fun. I was pretty much shunned by everybody that year and had no friends until I left the high school and went to a new high school. Then I had to start fresh with all new. Uh, it was a junior year. I'm like, really, really? So you don't bring people home. And I only had my one friend, that I met at that second high school that I would go by her house because I just knew. And her dad drank as well, but he was like a different kind of drunk. And I know this sounds weird, but there are different types of drunks. My dad was just a drunk. He'd call off work. He'd not show up. He'd lose it at at lunchtime and go back to work drunk. It's just what it is. He lost his pension. He lost a great job because he was drunk. Okay, and he went from job to job to job after that. It's not being a jerk, me saying that, it's just the reality. Her dad was a functional drunk. He had the same job forever. He drank one thing, vodka. He cooked, they were Polish. And he would drink, and then he'd drink at home. He always drink at home or at the one place, the one bar, and then he'd come home and he'd go to bed and he'd go to work. And he'd start all over again. You know what I'm saying? He never missed work. He was very structured. He was a functional drunk. Just saying, right? Um. So yeah, not uh, the typical worries of a a regular kid. You know, most kids don't sit at home at dinner time and your dad's not at the table, and and think, oh, daddy must be working late today. And you're thinking, oh, dad, daddy gonna come home today and rip the fucking hair out of my head. Sorry. I said the F word. Oh my God. It's a Wednesday. It's fine. My sponsor's cool. Um, you know, that it's just this different kinds of worries for show. And the last one I'm going to talk about today is, um, looking, uh, finding someone to look to for sound advice. I didn't have, I was alone growing up alone, completely and utterly. There was Nobody that I trusted as an adult. I'm not saying I didn't have adults that I wound up seeking as kind of like a refuge. I had a counselor in high school, the second high school I went to, who was amazing. And she noticed that my behavior issues, and I was a habitual fighter. um, And think about that, though. She knew that the fighting at school was triggered and habitual from something that was happening at home. Like, she was a true counselor. She saw something and didn't be like, yeah, that girl's a troublemaker. She's a school troublemaker. Let me explain something, what happens when your kid goes to school after he spends the night getting his ass beat and watching his mom get his ass beat, okay? Let me explain what, what happens to her, okay? She goes to school the next day, tired AF, With a chip on her shoulder. Scared out of her mind. If anybody's going to bring it up. That she has to say nothing happened. If there's marks on her. And then the first time somebody looks at me. And is like. What are you looking at Denise? Because you know everybody. I was smart. I was like the bookworm. And I was very quiet. Until I got to high school. Believe it or not. Um, And I will tell you that. I'll tell you exactly what happens. You go and jump on them before they jump on you. Because I'd be like, listen, I just got my ass beat all night. You want to, you know, hate you in my face? I was all over them before they even thought what would happen. And then a lot of people be like, oh, she was a bully. Was I? I was getting my ass beat every night. Nobody even said anything. Except for one counselor. And back then, nobody ever reported anything, Right this is i told you guys this is a long time ago right but at least i knew that she was aware and didn't treat me like poop teachers treated me like crap in high school like in crap i'm getting my ass beat all night and then i go and i get like harassed by teachers i had an english teacher once that physically threatened me and touched me like he he was a very heavyset man and i was copying an attitude because i came to his late class uh his class late it was my first class um it's because i had been up all night getting my ass beat uh, by my alcoholic dad and then i'd walk into class and he uh told me i had to get out of his class and i'm like i'm not leaving your class like we're not playing this game man like in my mind i'm like you know you're in high school come on is what you're thinking right and he said stand up stand up and so I in mind you, this is Chicago public high school. So a few people don't think this stuff is happening today in high schools when people are so all off cuffed. It was happening when I was there in high school in Chicago. And I remember standing up and he pushed the desk out of the way and then pushed me up against the wall. Like, I'm not even joking. He physically assaulted me and pushed me up against the thing. And then with his big belly, he kept pushing on me. You think you're so tough in this school? Push with the belly. I dare you, to tin. You're always acting like that. that. And literally, I was like, literally, I was, number one, I started crying because number one, I'm, uh, what's the first thing that's going through my head? This is the shit I'm going up against all night. This is what I'm going up all night. And then all of a sudden I snapped out of it. This is a true story, by the way. My mother had to go to school for this and I stopped crying and he was we were faced we were nose to nose and he was his stomach was pushed against my body and we're not talking like in a sexual way he's doing it in it to intimidate me and I looked him right in the eye and in front of the whole class I said I get my ass beat every night by my father who comes home drunk you think I'm afraid of you an effing English teacher, you got something else coming to you, bro. I didn't say bro. I think I said dude. We didn't say bro back then. Um, <laughs> And he told me to get out of there and go down to the vice principal's office, which I did. And uh, they called my mom in. My mom had a sit down with that teacher. And I'm pretty sure that I wasn't in there, but I'm pretty sure it went down something like this. If you touch my daughter again, I'm going to get my husband here and you can fight man to man versus man to teenage girl. Pretty sure that's how it went down. I'd bet my life on it 99.9%. Um, he wound up dropping me after that, so then I had to make up another English class. Um, there's that. But I will tell you, yeah, I you just things are just different. Like wh- when you're doing stuff, right? I didn't have like worries that other kids had that were normal and no one to look to for sound advice for sure um i certainly wasn't going to talk to teachers uh i wasn't in any you know um they didn't pay for anything to do you know i did stuff on the side that like you know was just between like me and the sports facility or wherever we went to kind of like rally ourselves in But, like, my parents never went to anything that, like, we did outside extracurricular. I was very artistic. They never did any of that. Um, It's just all sorts of stuff. Uh, It just, it was not that type of family growing up. But that all being said, once you identify that, and you, and over time, you learn that Some of the things that are happening and the way you are communicating or not communicating healthy with people in your adult life, don't beat yourself up. It's not you. It's the patterns and the defenses and the protection spells, okay, that you had to put in place as a child to survive your dysfunctional childhood or your dysfunctional early adulthood. Okay? It's okay Just you need to know that you have to work on it because it is indeed a dysfunctional response to dysfunctionalism, right? It's like throwing the dysfunction around, okay? Dysfunction for you and dysfunction for you and dysfunction, you know, we'll do an Oprah thing there, but it is dysfunctional nonetheless. And so that's why once you address those things, then if those are things that you're missing, you could look back and dysfunctional doesn't always have to be alcoholic dad, right? It could be weird. You know, it could be anything. That's how broad that spectrum, the dysfunctional spectrum is the broadest spectrum on earth. I'm Just saying. Okay. And so that's what I'm going to leave you with today. Uh, again, whoo, it was a good one. I bawled twice today. Whoop whoop, they're letting it out. Letting it. it's called a cleanse. Okay. Um, thank you guys all for listening again. Um, what I am gonna ask today, a little short before we round off here, is I'm going on a year in June that I've been doing the podcast. I'm international. I'm in over 35 countries. I feel so blessed and humbled every day. And thank each and every one of you who for list to listen, uh, who listen in every week. Um, but what I do need is that I have big goals for this podcast, and I want to take it even higher. And so, I need help from each and every one of you. And I'm asking if you could please leave a review on the podcast platform that you listen to, whether it be Audible, uh, Google, uh, Apple Podcast, Podbean, whatever it is. All the podcasting platforms have a little review where you can a little section where you can review the podcast. If you could just review it and type a few words, if you have time, that is greatly appreciated. um, Beyond what you I could possibly thank you for, Um, but I would appreciate that. What it does is it tells the podcasting platforms that people are listening and they're commenting and. That you like the podcast, even if it, you know, if there's five stars out of five stars, I'm not telling you to give me five stars. I'm just saying, if you rate the podcast, they're going to see that people are actually rating it. And so that means people are listening to it. And so, in that algorithm of podcasting world, that basically makes them push me out to new listeners as recommendations. And that's what I need right now to take it to the next level. Thank you so much. And I will see you next week on Wednesday. Until then, lead with kindness. Thank you, friends, for spending this time with me today. If you found some calm listening in, please take a moment to subscribe to Finding Calm in the Chaos. And just so you don't miss out on future episodes, make sure you're receiving notifications. Thanks again. Until next time, lead with kindness.